Computer, run program, chapter two, the Dura Sisters podcast, TNG episode, on holodeck three. Beep, boop, boop. Enter when ready. Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are running chapter two of the Holodeck series. We're talking about the next generation. TNG with 20 episodes. And we watched them and we're so excited to talk about them with you all today. Yes, we hope you all have been enjoying our holodeck challenge that we've been doing this week. It's the strange week after Christmas where you don't really know what's going on in your life. I don't know what day it is. And so it's been great to spend that time watching these amazing or not amazing holodeck episodes (laughs) for The Next Generation. And uh, yeah, thank you all for following along on our story on that. I highly challenge you, especially if you have a lot of downtime, to join us for our watch list. We're going to post them in advance this time, so you have the opportunity to maybe watch these episodes before the podcast comes out. We have so much fun prepping them, and you get to experience it with us, you know, in real time, so that's really fun. Yes! We have a lot to talk about today. This is not the longest watch list we've ever had. I still think (laughs) that the family episode holds that record. I think it was something crazy, like 27 episodes per watch list. And back then, like, we watched almost, like, every part of the episode because the family is, like, such an important part of all these episodes. Yes. Um, but anyway, I was thinking at, after we after I had mailed out all of our holiday letters, which, by the way, I hope have arrived for you. If you are international, it is very probable those were not will not arrive for you until mid-January, perhaps. But <laughs> I know some people have been getting there. So if you got a holiday card from us, thank you so much for responding to our call out. We've been receiving some really lovely ones in the mail back. So thank you. It's just lovely to connect with all of our listeners in that way but Rihanna after I got all those off in the mail I was thinking I should have done a statistic about what series had the most episodes per watch list and because it would be interesting to look at the pod from that perspective as well. Ashley that's so genius I think that a lot of times behind the scenes until you hear the watch list you don't know what we're watching or how how deep we're going in and so it's really funny to, when we have guests on who have a longer watch list, like Julian, who actually was in our Riker episode for our First Officer series, that we're going to talk about a couple of these episodes again from a different perspective. But he was like, wow, you guys have a thorough watch list. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a great accomplishment of ours. So We have always overdone things and so the podcast mm-hmm. is just us continually going in as hard as possible yeah uh, we still have to rein ourselves in a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> but it's good it makes this is good content we're not rambling too much hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and if we are you know listen if you want <laughs> yeah yeah exactly chunk it up um this could be a two-parter we don't know right now but i think we can get it yeah. done in one episode <laughs> It's one of those nebulous things, um, yes. and you'll know why in a minute, because I'm, <laughs> Ashlyn, I will have you read the watch list, but I want to first uh, say some background info on these TNG holodeck episodes. Amazing. Hit me. So TNG has a total of 47 episodes containing a holodeck, 
And I briefly panicked when I saw that on Memory Alpha. When compiling this TNG watch list, I really want to thank John Smith underscore MD on Reddit for compiling this old Trek holodeck entirety list of like the most important episodes that are centric around the holodeck and then the ones that have secondary B plots about the holodeck and combined them. And so I just took John Smith's list <laughs> underscore MD and put it in our watch list and was looking through and I was like, these are brilliant episodes. And then I was thinking, oh, but what about episodes like The Offspring? There was a couple that even I was like, we could add more <laughs> to this, but do we have time? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do we have the willpower to, to watch the single shot of Picard riding on horseback <laughs> in the episode Pen Pals? Like, no, we can't do that, you know, just for our lives. And so we have compiled a really awesome watch list today that I think includes a lot. And then we're going to just have brief shout outs at the end of each section and talk about these episodes in almost just a mention, an honorable mention fashion. Yes, I'm really excited about this, Rihanna. I think this is a really fun model, another way that we're keeping the pod fresh. Yeah. <laughs> super fresh for all you so young fresh. kids out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and on along those same lines, Rihanna, I thank you, by the way, for all your research. Thank you to the the best person who made that list on Reddit that I already forgot yeah. your John, John Smith, Smith underscore MD. MD. Thank you. I want to check in with you, Rihanna, because this is your series episode two. Last week was really fun because we just talked about the animated series. So how just in general, yeah. are you feeling about the progress of the holodeck series? And what are some of the things you've been excited about for episode two? Shall I say, like, childlike sense of wonder has returned to my life a little bit watching these episodes? Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so Rihanna's alive again? I have okay. thoroughly enjoyed it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, the holidays aren't always the most, like, joyous time of the year, even when you want them to be. And so sometimes it's nice to have something that will also lift you up in a different way. So, um... TNG was really amazing for that, for these funny holodeck episodes. And then, you know, I watched the cringe ones first to get them out of the way. That's <laughs> the best way to but, do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, overall, TNG has made me feel so confident about this series and excited, but also a little nervous because it's going to be very lopsided, I think, our episode lengths and stuff. Um, but, I mean, we're full of surprises here at the Dura Sisters podcast, and I'm very excited to talk about these episodes like they're so so fun and interesting and frankly we're going to talk about things I've never thought of before yeah I this was the first time in a while that I've been really looking forward to recording because I had so many things I wanted to tell you and when Rihanna and I talk on the phone it's sort of a rule like we can't really talk about what we want to say on the pod because yeah. then it's like boring you know it's like oh I'm mm -hmm. re-saying the thing um, yeah. or we'll say, don't worry, I'll re-say this on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Very cute <laughs> of us. Um, but I've been like holding back all week cause I'm so excited to talk to you. So, um, yeah. I think let's get into it. I'm going to read the watch list and then I have even more questions after that, Rihanna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. So we are going to be starting off the whole thing with encounter at far point. And that's just boom, starting off no category, except that it's the beginning. And then we will be moving on to dates on the holodeck with the episode 11001001. And then Booby Trap, We'll Always Have Paris, The Dolphin, 
any emissary, and don't worry, a lot of those are clips. Don't be scared. Um, and then we are going into the non-HR compliant section with, of course, booby trap and hollow pursuits, followed by the performances section. I know you're all so excited for this one with the defector, devil's due, fistful of datas, and emergence. Then we are going on to the holodeck holds the answers section with identity crisis, first contact, schisms, emergence, a matter of... <laughs> Rihanna's laughing at this length and I'm laughing. <laughs> I... We're through so many episodes, okay? Yeah. Um, a matter of perspective, the offspring, phantasms. Then the section, no, you can't, don't even try, with homeward and, of course, future imperfect. And we will be finishing off the podcast with the In Their Spare Time section with Elementary Dear Data, Ship in a Bottle, Data's Day, The Outrageous Okona, The Big Goodbye, Manhunt, Clues, Fistful of Datas, and mentions from Cost of Living, Descent, Pen Pals, and Generations of All Things. Oh, Lord. Okay. Has everyone um, survived that watch list? <laughs> I don't think I have. I'm still cracking up over here. I just don't be discouraged. It's it's a lot, but some sections are literally going to be like a sentence long. So we're going to try yeah, not to like, overwhelm put me. you all to bed. Unless you want to fall asleep to us, then get strap in. I hope that pillow's fluffed up for you. Yeah. And if you want a thorough look at this, uh, it will be on our social media once this is posted. So don't don't worry if like this is just overwhelming to hear. You can take a look and see that. A lot of it is just a scene. So. <laughs> I love this. We're like, okay, long-time listeners, like, please don't leave. <laughs> please. We love you. <laughs> and even new listeners, don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all good. Um, okay. Okay. Well, so now, um, Rihanna, I have some questions. Um, which of these holodeck episodes do you consider to be the ultimate holodeck episode for TNG? I think I have a sort of a Dixon Hill and Sherlock Holmes tie here. Mm. I think Fistful of Datas doesn't stand out as much in my mind, but I still consider it to be up there in the Legends category or the the ultimate because that also includes like just tropes-wise or just what they're using the holodeck for is very classic, I feel like, and it's very TOS feel almost. Um, it's very fun, and it ha- holds its own category of like that for me. Ashlyn, how about you? What do you consider the ultimate holodeck episode? I think you mentioned them, um, uh, but for me, definitely the whole um, Moriarty, like Sherlock Holmes holodeck episodes, yeah. um, Elementary, My Dear Data, and Ship in a Bottle. For me, the whole Sherlock universe is one of my favorite stories ever. And so when I think about Sherlock and, and Star Trek alighting, I just get really happy. So for me, Same. that's definitely the standout. There's also you know, just random episodes where I feel like they're doing, like, exercising or, like, fighting each other on the holodeck or playing Mm -hmm. a game together on the holodeck. I feel like that was really a big thing in TNG. So those types of (laughs) holodeck adventures as well. Absolutely. Ashlyn, thank you for mentioning those as well. And I also want to say that Ashlyn and I went to an escape room with some friends and our sister, and uh, it was a Sherlock Holmes holodeck escape room. Literally, like... So as, they said that's the ultimate. Like, <laughs> as niche as you can possibly get. As, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
our jaws dropped to the floor when we saw that yeah this <laughs> we was like just... we went in full cos- costume. oh yeah we were in outfits yeah we were yeah. <laughs> Rihanna was like okay I'm Sherlock I was like I know <laughs> I'll be Watson <laughs> Okay, well, Rihanna, let's start off with Encounter at Farpoint. And the only scene we're talking about is when Riker is finally on the Enterprise. He's seen the hilarious video on the bridge, and now yeah. he's ready to just, like, be a first officer. But first, he's, he has to find data. Uh, so he figures out where the holodeck is. And evidently, this is his first time on a holodeck. Um, yeah. The ensign or officer who's running around helping Riker, like telling him, hey, just ask the computer where data is. And then, oh, look at this map. <laughs> and the yeah. like computer and the computer will tell you where to go. It's a galaxy class starship and he's never been on one before, which has to include holodecks. So I was right away thinking that it doesn't really work with TAS. And I mean, not a surprise <laughs> um, <laughs> because the Enterprise, like, 1701 no bloody a b c or d was not galaxy quest or i mean no it was not <laughs> it definitely was it not. was it was not galaxy class so uh yeah so i mean a lot of people say tas isn't canon anyway but i just have to point it out that yeah. maybe it wasn't called a holodeck until tng which is possible that's what it is is like coin the term now it's like okay copyright that <laughs> it's not just the rec room and Riker, for yeah. whatever reason has just never been on one before i think so yeah so so right so so there's my first point and then also it's just so great to see him in the holodeck just enjoying life he's like wow this is so cool this is so real and data acts as our guide he's showing him oh here's the back wall and he's hitting yeah. it and just showing off the holodeck to its full extent. So what what do you think about this scene, Rihanna? Do you think it's a good introduction to the holodeck for people who have not seen the animated series episode? <laughs> which is which is everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Including us. Yeah. Um I really remember enjoying it as a kid, but also feeling just very like off balance because of the interactions between Riker and Data, which we have talked about extensively in our pilot episode, but it's still worth mentioning because it, it, it takes place in the holodeck, and I think that that, you know, colors the experience of what you see in the holodeck, but then if you think past that, I remember just being like, okay, nice, this is the coolest thing ever, like, <laughs> if I went on the holodeck, I would just go and hang out with the G&G crew, and then I was like, when I watched the Barkley episode, I was like, oh no. <laughs> not like that not like that (laughs) um oh yeah yeah so anyway I just think that that was really it was so cool and such a great way to introduce hey here's this endless possibilities especially when Wesley like comes on in he's so excited to be here Wesley's so funny in this pilot he falls in the stream and gets completely (laughs) wet (laughs) poor guy and you think that the holodeck water would like just disappear disappear when you uh, leave the holodeck i was thinking because he comes out of the holodeck sopping wet why can't yeah. the holodeck just give him new clothes thank you if the water can leave the holodeck why is but that can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouldn't mm. he be able to leave with his clothes on i don't know <laughs> i mean i think maybe you know they'll do that later on like this is also how the the pilot works too you know is yeah. that sometimes you have technology that then you change a little um, like, the outer wall stuff isn't really mentioned again, because then it's funny they, like, walk that direction that Data hit the wall. Yeah. I was laughing. I was like, okay. 
Yeah, I was thinking maybe we could quickly talk through the issue of the walls because it's going to come up in every episode. And I just think if we establish at the beginning, like my theory, because Data does hit the wall, but I, I think somehow you're always in the center of the room and the holodeck like moves with you. And it's you, but you don't feel like you're only moving in one place. Like, I don't know how that's possible. Like, you can just walk forward and like hit a wall. You know, I, I don't know how it's possible. Yeah, I don't know either because VR technology is not even close to that. No. You know, <laughs> yeah. Kind of sophistication, but also there are how many centuries? I mean, it's the 20, it's the 24th century. Like, this is 300 yeah. years in our future, 200 plus. So technology advances rapidly. I mean, rapid for yeah. our comprehension. Yeah, frankly. I just I wonder like, is there a treadmill? <laughs> like, what's going on? You know, how are how are they not hitting the wall? Um, yeah, it's it's insane. Honestly, I have no thoughts about how this could be happening. Yeah, and what I like about this too is that they don't really give an answer, and so and also it doesn't get in the way. I think I just expect things to be different in the pilot, and so it doesn't bother me either. And it just shows how much it has evolved. Which brings us to our next category, Dates on the Holodeck. And we're starting, of course, with the episode with the binaries who come on board. I could say all those one ones and zero ones. But... <laughs> one one zero zero one zero zero one. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I thought it was important to f- follow up the pilot with this episode because... These binaries come on board. They are doing a bunch of improvements on the Enterprise, including the holodeck. And Riker and Picard take advantage of this upgrade when they encounter a woman named Minuet who is way more human-like than any other person that they've seen on the holodeck before. So it it kind of screams threesome uh, because yes. she is trying to keep them on the holodeck while the binaries use the ship to accomplish Going to their home planet and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is episode 15, so we're halfway through the first season, or mm-hmm. a little more than halfway, and uh, I was confused that this type of sophistication technology did not stay at the end of the episode once the Biners left, because I assumed the upgrades they made were permanent, but it turns yeah. out it had to do with like their species or like the way that they enhanced it for themselves or something like that. I guess. Or they took it out of spite. I couldn't tell which. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think so. They just want to get home. And Riker's like, you could have just asked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, literally. But I loved this episode because it did have a different feel from Holodeck and just TNG in general. Because we don't... I don't think I've ever seen Riker and Picard on the Holodeck like this again. <laughs> yeah. They really are on their own separate recreational paths, you know, and they don't cross a lot because one of them is either on duty or it just makes sense, you know. And so this is really interesting and intriguing to watch all of them interact. Thank you for pointing this out, Rihanna, because 
I feel like Riker and Picard hang out the most in Picard's ready room when they're talking yeah. or discussing a situation, trying to figure out what to do. Riker never comes in and like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you yeah. know? And you're right. Like, we never see them have recreation time together. Especially, this is a long time that, at first, it's just Riker on the holodeck. And he plays trombone to, like, woo her or just, like, to have fun, enjoy life. <laughs> and she ends up like, hey. And then Picard joins only, like, ten minutes later. And instead of it being, like, a buzzkill, I think Riker is sort of annoyed. Um, sure. But also... She's like, stay, Picard, stay, and yeah, charming him with the French, the whole thing. <laughs> they look so intrigued, you know. I think Riker, it does even. Yeah, maybe he's a little put out, like, oh, I wanted to hang out with Minuet longer because she can pretty much like adapt to the person she's talking to. Minuet is able to adapt to what she thinks Riker will enjoy or what Picard will enjoy. She's speaking French with Picard right away. It's really cracking me up that like. This is working for both of them and for Minuet, and they've never enjoyed a holodeck experience or a character like this. It's usually just, oh, the walk in the woods is nice, but it's different when it's a intriguing woman that they're both kind of interested in. Yes. Uh, yeah. I actually have the quote here that Picard says while he's stealing Riker's girl. He yeah. says, the holodeck has given us woodlands and ski slopes, figures that fight, and fictional characters whom with we can interact but you, you adapt. Yeah, thank you, Ashlyn. Yeah, so I think that's, like, it's not that they're really falling in love with her, it's just that yeah. it's such an amazing piece of technology that yeah. they can interact with her so thoroughly. And Riker, like, they're about to do it on the holodeck before Picard comes in because he's asking, like, um, does this have, like, <laughs> are you, like, a woman? Like, can I, you know? Yeah. And she's basically saying, like, yeah, let's do it, you know? Yeah. So, it's fascinating. This is like the start of everyone start of, doing it on the holodeck. Literally. And this is it's going to become a very interesting staple in this series. Yeah. <laughs> that they cannot put to bed. And they cannot really talk about, but it's absolutely no. happening. Yeah. <laughs> Lower Decks uncovers the case. Yeah. Oh, I was also going to say, uh, I think it's Tarsus 3 is where they're getting the upgrade out. That's Tarsus crazy. 3. Like, yeah. everyone be careful. <laughs> there. Kodos could have a cousin who's also evil. Because that's Tarsus 4, right? Was yeah. where um, the evil, for people who don't know every episode of TOS, um, <laughs> Tarsus 4 is where Kodos the, um, like, dictator like murdered half the population and kirk was there and like yeah. all the other witnesses who saw koda's face were murdered in the great episode the contest of the king anyway oh yeah so i'm like <laughs> is tarsus 3 okay <laughs> like yeah how's how's, how's it going <laughs> yeah interesting mm -hmm. i absolutely love this episode i thought i wouldn't because i thought there's here comes another sexist stereotype you know like Riker's doing his find me a jazz club and New Orleans and he's like okay let's get me a woman essentially he says a more intimate crowd <laughs> much more intimate I'm like Riker <laughs> this writing for like early Riker is just it's interesting <laughs> his eyes are just alight with delight for all, for all of this <laughs> yeah but Minuet is intriguing, gotta say. I would probably be really, like, infatuated like they were, you know? Absolutely. Especially when it's the first time you're encountering, like, that level of interaction. Totally. Um, sadly, she is gone at the end, and the program does revert back to how it was before. Maybe, and I apologize for not knowing for sure, but I think maybe the part of the binars were, like, 
working with a organism or <laughs> I don't know, like for whatever reason, it was like they specifically had added that to the holodeck. So it didn't stay. So I'm, yeah. I have no idea. And I don't know if we're going to get the answer in these seven seasons when the holodeck characters actually become more like deep. Like we see Moriarty, yeah. but I don't think anyone else like gets to Minuet's level. So she's kind of a famous uh, example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, do not worry, we will be talking about her again. Oh yeah, we absolutely will. Surprise, surprise! I did not think <laughs> she'd be returning. <laughs> yeah, that's why she's even more immortalized than a Moriarty. Yeah. Okay, Rihanna, let's just kind of whip through this one. This is booby trap. We're moving on to. Yeah. The episode opens with Jordy on a date that seems to, like, be awesome. He's on a beach with uh, yeah. some officer. They look really cozy. It's, like, sunset at the beach, and he has a violinist playing in the background. Like, clearly yeah. he spent all this time, but she is not vibing with what nope. he's <laughs> with what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. It's clear on her posture, her face, and Jordy's trying so hard. And so this is just... The total opposite of the, like, electric chemistry coming from Minuet, Picard, and Riker, you know. Absolute now opposite, we, yeah. Yeah, now we have this Jordy, and, oh, we should know her name. Not just random. <laughs> <laughs> we literally, Jordy. it's like Jordy and his lady, then we're going to talk about Picard and his lady, and then yeah. Wesley and his lady coming up. <laughs> <laughs> we need everyone's name. <laughs> like, and then my feminism flew okay. out the window. <laughs> really just shriveled yes. and died. So who okay, is but, who's Jordy's lady, Rihanna? Jordy enjoys, this is memory alpha, says Jordy LaForge <laughs> enjoys a holodeck date with Christy Henshaw. Mm, Should have remembered that. That's a catchy name. Christy, wake up. <laughs> yeah, it's very awkward and we will be discussing this episode more later, but I just think that the awkwardness that can occur in holodecks is probably why some of them are like cringe for me is because I just feel secondhand awkwardness. Yes, absolutely. And I thought that Jordy did not really handle it well because she says, I'm just not feeling it, you know? Like she's yeah. She's just honest with him. I guess he doesn't have to apologize, but it mm -hmm. felt like he was just like, Oh, like darn, you know, like he was just like, yeah, like come on. Not like, considering of her feelings and he was like delete yeah. the violinist, you know, as if like you can't enjoy it anymore, you know, because mm -hmm. you rejected me. I'm looking into it way too much, but I just feel like this is such a weird encounter and Jordy's played off as like, nice guys finish last is oh, yeah. is kind of the vibe. Um, mm -hmm. But also, I don't know, they don't, they're not supposed to be together. <laughs> it's fine. No, it just doesn't work at all. Yeah. So unsuccessful holodeck date, but now we are going to... <laughs> Jump to our honorable mentions in this section, talking about these three wonderful episodes <laughs> that I'm about to watch. I'm so excited. Yeah, so we're going on to Picard and his lady in We'll Always Have Paris. Uh, this episode, the whole thing doesn't take place on the holodeck. There's just like the B plot of Picard. Um, he, I think he's like having regrets about his life and he's like, what if I had like actually like stayed with that lady in Paris instead of leaving her, like standing her up on a date um, and joining Starfleet? Like how would his life have be different? How would it have changed? And so he plays it out on the holodeck, which is a woof. Like, I don't know if this is a good tool for like therapeutic reasons or a bad tool because 
I tend to spend too much time looking back on things that I wish would have been, like wish I could have done differently. And I don't know if it would help or make it worse if you could see it played out in front of you. Like, would you just like lose your reality? You know, would you just like spend all your time on the holodeck thinking, oh, I can make this alternate life for myself and like test out options. Like we see data doing a lot of the time, which is, which Absolutely. is, this is awesome for like battle simulations and things like that. That's what the holodeck, like when it shines. But when you get into the complexity of like the human brain and like therapeutic uses, I feel like it could vary depending on who's using it. Someone like Picard, he's got a lot of self-control. He's like very grounded in reality. I think he uses this tool effectively. But for someone like Barkley or like me, <laughs> I think it might become Jordan. it might become a little um, like dangerous to play out all these yeah. different things. Agreed. I think it can take you down a path that you weren't supposed to go down because you made your choices and look where he could where he is now. You know, this is where he dreamed of being for so long. And so I think it's really hard to get stuck in the fantasy. And it actually reminds me of a season four episode of The Good Place. So just skip ahead if you haven't seen that season. But there is a time where Chidi is trying to decide how he's going to break up with, um, oh, is it season three? It is season three. I don't remember these women's names. <laughs> aka we can't remember the names oh yeah and so he's trying to figure out how to break up with simone and he gets obsessed because janet can essentially create a holodeck because she's just cool like that and so he plays it out over and over again and of course chidi has more of an obsessive behavior and so it does remind me of what you said about barkley or how this could spin out of control but this is picard so you know we have a little more faith that he's going to see the truths in this but it does shake him in a way that I didn't expect. So I just wanted to give it a, a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Rihanna. Um, and the, the, the woman's name. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the lady's name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Janice. Ah, cool. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Sure okay. So Rihanna, go on another research train. Find out who Wesley's lady is in the dolphin. Um, I remember that... Uh, this is a young passenger and her caretaker who have come aboard the Enterprise. Wesley is uh, instantly attracted to her in his cute little Wesley way. And so he takes her out on a date just to show her the holodeck because they don't have technology like that on their planet. I think she's like an ambassador. She's going to a conference. You know, the Enterprise is always escorting someone. Um, it turns out at the end, she's like not human. She's like a, everyone's like, oh, it's a monster. Um, <laughs> Maybe just I say that. Rihanna's giving me a look. <laughs> what? The okay, hell? no. I think you're right. Like some people are very much like, no, that. Well, maybe it's a dangerous creature. It might like freak out. Well, because I think she like does something crazy. Maybe the caretaker. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's um, okay. Don't worry about it. But like the conflict is like, oh, at the end she she looks different, and Wesley's like, oh, can I get past and it? They can't. They can't together because she has to go to her home place. yeah it's like romeo and juliet except it's not but <laughs> they just can't be together just different take but anyway yeah. they have a date on the holodeck and do you know what her name is or what the date was about rihanna this is salia convincing <laughs> um, <laughs> um yes salia her name maybe? is salia or salia i'm sorry I, we didn't watch these episodes but um i, I remember wesley showing off 
the holodeck to her. So yeah. I just, I remember watching it for Love and Affection <laughs> yeah. so long Same. ago. That's yeah. the last time. Yeah. So, yeah, Wesley takes her onto the holodeck so that she can see just sort of the wonders of it. And they go to different places. And it's very romantic, actually. And so it was a good shout out so, for them because it's cute. You know, cute look. So of everyone we've talked about on this list so far, Riker's date was clearly successful in the binary episode. Geordie's yeah. um, mm-hmm. was not. Um, Picard's was and also wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got a, a tie there. Yeah, a tie. And then Wesley is a yes. So uh, we're pretty much in a dead heat so far. So how about let's use the episode The Emissary to break this tie because this uh-huh. is the epic episode where Alexander is conceived on the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> Kalar and Worf, let's get it on. Klingon style, they fight some skeleton heads and some creepy warriors on, in Worf's program. Worf has taken Alexander to this program um, later on, so it, it's a different program, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you want to see how you were circle. made? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So, you know, we get uh, another fade out of the holodeck. Please get us out of here. Um, and... Of course, we don't find out that Kalar is pregnant until her return. Yeah. But this is quite a passionate <laughs> affair they have. And Worf thinks they need to get married. And she's like, no. She's like, no, I'm good. Like, we're, we both have yeah. careers. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So this, I would say, is a successful date. <laughs> yeah, I think very successful. <laughs> so overall, Holodeck seems to be very successful for people. Good place to take someone on a date. Unless... They are someone that you've created who you know. <laughs> okay, Sounds so... Like a red flag yet. <laughs> here we go into the non-HR compliant um, section. Let's return yeah. to Booby Trap. We just talked about the first scene on the holodeck. And uh, Jordy being dissatisfied with his ability to charm women is the main theme for the first part of this because he's talking to Guinan about it. It's just not happening for him. Like, he wants to take care of somebody, but it's not working out with anyone. And then the main plot is that they have discovered a ship that's a thousand years old. And uh, eventually, after checking it out, Picard is has to go down and see it himself because he loves history and he wants to climb inside the bottle. And the Enterprise ends up getting caught in the same booby trap that this same ship did a thousand years ago. So they're trying to figure out how to solve this. And Jordy's he's not freaking out, but he's like, this could be really bad. I don't know what to do. And so he, through talking to the computer, decides to create... Um, first, just, like, advice from Leah Brahms, the person who designed the engine, designed the warp core and everything. But the computer makes her, kind of, like, weirdly interpreting his instructions, made her uh, like the actual Leah Brahms, as if she was there. So hologram Leah Brahms is here. And Jordy, like, it gets sexual. And there's chemistry between them. And actually... I would like this chemistry if Leah Brahms was not a real person (laughs) who it's just a it's just an awkward time. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. And he decides, oh, she needs more personality, essentially. And it's just very uncomfortable because he asked for a personality match for Leah Brahms which is red flag number one. And then he instantly uploads that personality into the hologram and well, he continues to flirt with her. He doesn't 
like ask the computer to make a copy of her though. No. Mm-mm. So I thought I thought that's important. Like this kind of happens yeah. upon him because he's bringing this stuff up. Yeah. So I don't think he meant for it to happen. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It's true. Like his intent wasn't malicious, but it just. I think more just makes me uncomfortable because it's like there's no consent involved here and it's similar to stuff that we're going to see later on in this episode and Deep Space Nine, Down the Road, Voyager, I believe. So it's a concerning trend that I'm seeing throughout Star Trek. Yes, and uh, Riker actually talks about it. I'm just going to start talking about Hollow Pursuits too. Yeah, please. um, Because it all kind of Mm -hmm. goes together. together. (laughs) Um, Yeah. This is all. This is still in season three, so these are both like themes that happen in season three. Um, Riker says because he's entering Barkley's world, and Barkley in Hollow Pursuits is coping with reality by creating images of the bridge officers in various locations. Like they're the Three Musketeers, and Troy and Crusher are like beautiful in like these dresses, like looking mm-hmm. very like sexy and. Um, Riker says his first reaction is this is against Starfleet regulations like this cannot be okay and Jordy's like uh actually there's no such rule and Riker's right there should be a rule against this and I would hope I've actually read a ton of I've read so much Star Trek fan fiction but (laughs) I've read one where there was uh, like if someone created a version of someone else on the crew or someone else in Starfleet, it would flag the program and then would go to the captain for review on is this creation of, say, Counselor Troy appropriate for the user or appropriate for the program, and then they can choose to delete it or not. So that Beautiful. that's what I think yeah. should happen. It yes. does not, to my knowledge. So it's just it's just sketchy. And, like, why even leave the chance for it to be sketchy, you know? Like, Mariner exactly. uses her mom and, like, uses – like, this continues. Yeah. So I can see why it would be good for therapy, but it's still I, – I don't know how to feel. <laughs> yeah, it's even borderline for Picard in – Always have Paris. Always have Paris. Yeah, Tom you know? Paris. <laughs> I know, I always want to say it. But I also, yeah, I think that Barkley really does have his own vindictive verse at the beginning here because he does start with, like, throwing Geordi against a wall and shouting at Riker on, in 10 forward and hitting on Troy. And it's just, like, all very unsettling for the opening scene, too. So we're just seeing how the holodeck can be misused. And they're interesting episodes, but... I also think that, like, they're handled poorly, you know, because we see that Jordy's reaction is to sort of just, like, say, hey, like, not cool, but whatever, this is his way of coping. And I don't know, I just don't think that's acceptable regardless of what your way of coping is. Like, there are ill ways of coping, and there's de- there's ways to, like, help yourself not have those bad coping skills. So, I don't know, I think that Mr. Barkley needs therapy from not someone that he's made in a holodeck. Absolutely. And I was, I'm just always surprised that for a thousand people, there's only one counselor because that, yeah, like (laughs) there should be at least one more. That's a lot of weight on Troy to possibly be seeing up to like a thousand people at a time. Like that's insane. I know not (laughs) everyone's got to be booked. (laughs) I mean, like I know not everyone's in therapy, but still like, yikes. Mm. So that's a huge boundary. And I also want to bring up like 
for an audience perspective, it is funny to see Picard dressed as a three musketeer with a crazy wig. And it's, it's funny to see everyone in all these different outfits. Wesley's like eating a pie, right, um, yeah. which I personally <laughs> thought like was the best part of that. Yeah. Um, but um, once it's you, it's suddenly not funny anymore. So when Troy, Riker, and Jordy are all on the holodeck... Mm-hmm. They're all laughing, like, you know, Riker sees himself and he's like, hey, like, that's not cool, but everyone else is laughing. Jordy sees himself. Well, Riker doesn't see himself, actually, until later. He's the only one who went and initially is like, whoa, this is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Troy is laughing, and Troy's having a great mm-hmm. time, and she thinks this is really, like, good. Like, good for Barkley, yeah. you know? He's getting mm-hmm. out his emotions. And then suddenly she sees that her double has been very sexualized. Um mm-hmm. And has definitely been thought of in, like, romantic ways. Suddenly she's like, nope, this is a terrible idea. Like, it got, it went too far. Yeah, I wish they had dealt with this better. Like you're saying, Rihanna, like, there's a scene at the end of the episode where Barkley is saying goodbye to the holodeck characters. And it looks like he's saying goodbye to the crew, like, as if he's leaving Starfleet. Yeah. Um, or at least leaving the Enterprise. I was kind of hoping that that was the yeah. case. Because he could thrive in a different environment. Yeah. You know, I and I, I know it's something to be said for him, like, sticking it out and, you know, t- trying his best on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. It, it just, the, the HR aspect of it is very yeah. surprising that they would let him stay. Yeah, exactly. Or just, you know, like you said, put on some more counselors, please. <laughs> yeah, just like anyone. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, but it's, it is concerning, too, because he says, delete all except Program 9? Mm-hmm. What is that? We never know. find out, right? I don't know. Um, I also thought it was pretty abrupt that he just deleted all his programs. Because what Troy says to Riker, Riker's like, delete all these programs. This is so bad. Troy's like, but if you do that, he will have lot, like, lost his ability to cope. And like he mm-hmm. has to get a new one from scratch. And that would be really like hard for him. So... I agree with her, actually. But so then at the end of the episode, it's kind of disarming to see him like deleting all of these except one, which, you know, you could see as a a sign that he's determined to change. But I feel Mm -hmm. like it's too abrupt to be realistic. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, I think, though, sometimes you have to rip off the Band-Aid, you know, and just say, okay, like... I'm done. I'm I'm done. Not going to do this anymore. True. And... Maybe it is him holding himself to that, you know, in a way that's more permanent, I should say. Yeah, great great point. That's probably true. Yeah, who's to say? But wild section. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the, the cringiest episodes with us. Um, Hard to watch. Yeah. yeah, and we're not even talking about when Leah Brahms actually comes on to the Enterprise and Jordy yeah. meets her in real life because that's, oh, yeah, <laughs> uncomfy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely in a holodeck for like two seconds because she learns about the program but yeah. i did not want to include it <laughs> yeah we're good so rihanna yeah. let's lighten up a bit let's talk about some performances that we see on the holodeck okay i'm gonna rant about this really quick not even in a bad way but just like cracking up at what is going on <laughs> amazing so i told you all earlier that when i was looking through these episodes i noticed there were some that had only a, a certain scene that I liked that had a holodeck but the rest was a completely different plot and I realized that was because it was the opening first five minutes before the intro that they just did a fun little scene maybe a Dixon Hill scene like we'll see in clues maybe data performing a Christmas carol for Picard <laughs> and devil's do <laughs> um, you know 
perhaps Data performing Shakespeare twice for Picard in two different episodes. Yep. Um, you never know. And so no wonder I was getting these episodes confused or thinking like, when was Data doing like in that weird beard for the Tempest, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yes. So it's really interesting to see that this is sort of their go-to and then they'll get like Picard or Riker to Picard, please come to the bridge for this thing, for the plot, essentially, you know? Yeah, well, I think it adds um, a different flavor to the episode because if it's about to be really serious it's nice to see Picard like happy enjoying his life you know yes. like we we get a baseline of how the character is doing depending on what they're doing in the holodeck love that so if we like Worf is like frustrated like fighting Guinan or like playing a game with Guinan in the holodeck we know it's gonna be like a Worf has to get in a better mood throughout the episode you know yes so I yeah I love these first five minute scenes and they're really memorable yeah, and they're such a great staple, and I think I enjoy them even if I kind of make fun of them a little, because they all start out in a really dark area, <laughs> and there's some random dialogue from Shakespeare or, you know, from Data's own play or <laughs> whatever's happening, and so, you know, Charles Dickens. Yeah, so it's just really fun to see it happen. So I know that... Uh, Emergence is when Data does the Tempest. Yes. Picard's like, it's too dark. <laughs> and then yeah. there's a train out of nowhere. <laughs> what a great opening. A great So time. wild, especially so season seven where they're like, what do we write? They're like a train out of nowhere. And they're like, yeah. Well, also, definitely. I thought the Tempest was pretty apt because I know that was um, Shakespeare's last play ever Good performed. Point. And this is episode 723. You might know that episode 25 or 24 is the all good things right isn't this the penultimate episode of the series whoa yeah episode 25 and 26 so it's it's two away before the finale so i thought it was a great like if you're gonna have data performing something nice choice with the tempest ashlyn i am in awe that's beautiful thank you for saying that wow (laughs) um and so we talked about the Christmas Carol, the defector Data is performing. So I had to look it up because Data was talking about some king. And I was like, this sounds like a Shakespeare uh, history that I've never read. And it was. It's Henry V. <laughs> I haven't read any of the Henrys or Richards. So it was interesting, but it was definitely more of a, like, Picard and Data are, invest- are investigating Data's, like, acting ability. You know, it was a cute little opening didn't really take much of the episode. You know, the rest of the episode was this Romulan defecting from (laughs) Romulus and seeing his planet one last time on the holodeck was actually a sweet moment in that episode too, but... Very short. It was like a minute. Very short. Yeah. Yeah. It made him decide, like, I have to continue being a defector. I can't go home. Yeah, exactly. So, reality moment. But, uh, yeah, I I thought the line was funny where Data was like, do you think I can schedule a performance soon? And Picard gives this look and he's like, um. (laughs) I was like, wow, like, that's a roast. (laughs) Like, people perform anything they want on the holodeck. And Picard says no to Data. Like, he's high standards for someone who's, quote, not much of an actor. Yeah, thank you. Maybe he's a great director. (laughs) Probably. And then, of course, we had to do an honorable mention for A Fistful of Datas, which we will be discussing in length later. But the scene outside of the holodeck, Data is affecting all of the non-essential systems, including Dr. Crusher's play that has now turned into (laughs) Felis Catus, 
Is your taxonomic nomenclature an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature? I love that you're being Riker reading Data's lyrics. That was yeah. that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, that was really Adorable. funny. Every and mm-hmm. <laughs> Crusher's like, "Where's my script?" Because it's just <laughs> yeah. all Data's poetry. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Can I take that home, please? I would like to read it." <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, great time with performances. We see so many performances on TNG. Uh, some of them are on the holodeck. Some of them are not. Um, like I feel like all the sh- string quartets are just in a even 10 forward or something like that or conference rooms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to a little more substance with the holodeck holds the answer. So these are episodes where in some way they use the holodeck to figure out the answer to the plots. (laughs) Starting off with identity crisis. This is a great episode where Jordy and these like five other officers were on this planet like five years ago. And suddenly everyone from the party, except him and this lady, are um, are still human or like have not disappeared. So they go to this planet to figure out what's going on. And it turns out they all have a parasite that turns them transparent over time. Crazy, but... It them, it's, a, it's actually the way that... I mean, yes, it does turn them transparent. It's the way that the um, population reproduces. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the part that was really awesome, like the great use of the holodeck in this episode was... Uh, when Jordy is reviewing the tapes of them five years ago and he sees a rogue shadow that he can't figure out. So he says, okay, computer, can you recreate this situation on the holodeck so I can get a better sense of what was going on? And one by one, he's removing the people until there's a shadow, but no figures remain. And I, I just love this scene in the holodeck. I think it's showing off TNG's amazing use of holodeck episodes. And it's really showing how essential the holodeck actually can be sometimes and how it can be the like linchpin in the in a plan or it can help someone like our title hold the answers to a problem that they've been working through the whole episode or that helps start their journey and so it's really cool that this is the way for identity crisis because it's really chilling you know being in that environment because you're not just stepping into you know, a picture, you're stepping into the entire sensory environment of it. And so that is really cool to see. It starts to help Jordy to uncover this mystery, which is so cool. What an epic way to use it. Yeah. And it's spooky once he says, like, can you approximate the size of this creature? Like, what would it look like? And the computer reproduces it as just a literal, like, thick black shadow, which is so creepy. Um, We didn't include it in our spooky episodes, but uh, I think it deserves a, a mention. And then let's talk about an episode that was definitely in our spooky series, which was Schisms. And that is one of my favorite uses of the holodeck, trying to figure out what's going on with the crew because everyone's like tired all the time, falling asleep, and they have some like core members keep having these dreams. And then while they're awake, they get a sense of fear when they interact with random objects, seemingly random. Like Worf is uncomfortable with uh, scissors and Riker's uncomfortable being at the con at the console because if he feels trapped and so once they get to the holodeck um, which was a suggestion by Troy which I thought was a great Mm -hmm. great thing to do because they can all work together to create this scene that they've all been dreaming about and for me like the creepiest moment is when the table turns metal and you realize that oh this is like a a kidnapping experimentation table you know yeah yes it starts to get more steadily terrifying as it goes on 
and I love that addition to the episode and that Troy is guiding them through it so well and the holodeck is like really like I love that the computer is also helping them in a, in a way you know it's really cool that the holodeck is essentially the ship's computer assisting them in different ways and to see the restraint go on is terrifying and everything paints this really dark picture and like I was saying with identity crisis they felt it environmentally you know and that's what helps the holodeck is like a full sensory experience can really bring back more memories because like uh Troy was asking what about sounds in the room what did you see what did you smell you know and smell is like really great to help process memories so it's really cool that the holodeck can assist in this way and I think it can be a really great help for like people who are working through trauma or have you know which we will see later on like th this holodeck really could be used for anything we're learning yeah it's so good. I love I love this episode. One of my favorite uses um, in this category, I think, of the holodeck. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to Phantasms, which I always forget about. What is that one about? <laughs> Another insane, never thought they could do this. They are jumping into Data's dreams and talking to That's Dr. Right. Freud. Yes. <laughs> Data talked once with him. Now they're talking again. Data's having his spooky nightmares and Picard and Jordy jump into it in the holodeck and again create this whole sensory experience and I'm cracking up because Picard is like look for clues along the way and I'm like yes Picard I'm on it <laughs> like I've got you sir um and so it's so fun that they can do this for Data yeah and for the whole ship you know of course it ends up saving the day so yeah data is the only one you could do this for also like it would be yeah. pretty useful to just hook up your brain i mean i'm not talking to elon musk like please don't put stuff in no. our brain like you want to um yeah. <laughs> but it would be cool tbh to <laughs> set up the holodeck to your dream so you can figure out wow why am i like this <laughs> what's what's well, going on in here <laughs> Believe you me, yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Another incredible and spooky way to use it. Yeah, wow. yeah, excellent use. They figure it out. Something that is like totally unprecedented is the episode of Mergen. So we already talked about this in The Tempest in the first five minutes. And the main plot is that a new life form is developing on the holodeck. Yeah, I mean, it's just taking the Orient Express, I, I think, because Crusher is fascinated with it. She's so cute about it. She's like, she I love loves trains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, lo she loves trains. Um, and we're seeing a, a system breakdown, which also is the computer, you know, like forming this life form. Yeah. Um, forming a higher consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Data says that there are flux distortions going on and all of the programs like seem to be merging in some way. So everyone who's appearing on the Orient Express are people from different programs. Um, yeah. Like we see cowboys, we see a bunch of <laughs> other people, bosses. mob bosses. Yeah, they're all like Night. <laughs> running together. And we end up meeting the conductor and the navigator. And yeah, as they're going on, they're realizing that, oh, each person represents a function of the ship. And so somehow those are connected. <laughs> I love that now it's Troy who's like, okay, keep your eyes out for clues. You know, yes. like Picard did last episode with phantasms. It's really fantastic. <laughs> and I think that Troy does a great job at, again, navigating the holodeck scenario and 
understanding what the computer new life form entity needs and is trying to tell them because this guy has a brick that he stole and he's like protecting it because it's the he has to take it to Keystone City it's like all of this wild plot and I, literally anything goes in this you know <laughs> like they're off the train they're on the train they switch places sometimes Riker's there sometimes Worf and Data and Troy are there as they're going, it's creating a neural net, like the nodes are creating a neural net of intelligence, which is very similar to Data's. So I thought that was interesting that they're using the ship in that way to create the life form. That's so true. I loved seeing in the beginning when Jordy opened it up to see the first of the like neural net creating, he goes like, whoa, what? is that <laughs> we're just like yeah i have no idea dude and so then it's like in the cargo bay just forming its little new self yeah there <laughs> she it's goes like really wholesome at the end because they could start to work together and understand okay what are they saying through these holodeck characters um so it's like their only way to communicate yeah, By metaphor. By as Picard says. <laughs> yes, <laughs> metaphor. I thought that it was interesting that as soon as the crew paid the ticket on the train, everyone was mm-hmm. super nice to them. Because at first, all the holo characters were really like, "Get off! You know, we don't want you here. Get out!" And then once they paid, it was some sort of like acceptance, like, "Oh, you're willing to actually help us." And like once they establish some form of communication, it goes a lot smoother. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so cool to see this, them navigate this. And they figure it out, of course. And the computer fly form is a baby, essentially. I'm reminded of <laughs> yes, V'ger. Yes. You know, everyone's always saying, oh, it's a baby. Or that one where O'Brien has like a dog that they, they call it like a dog machine. <laughs> so anyway, it's a new <laughs> life. It does not ring a bell for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a season one episode. You know how it goes. could not tell you about that. Oh, I'm sure we'll watch it later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, well. Now let's go on to a matter of perspective. <sighs> we talked about this with Julian actually on our TNG first officer episode. Again, Another way to, I guess, use a judicial judicial system. It's not the way that they wanted. Obviously, this guy wants to take Riker back because he's a presumed having killed the scientist, had blown up the station, and he wants to take Riker back for questioning. But Picard insists, you know, like we have to do this, like this, just you know, we have to hear everyone's side. And so, if we can get almost a hundred percent accuracy on the holodeck and recreate it, um, then, like, will you hear this trial, this testimony? So it's a really fascinating premise, but one of those, again, that's, like, difficult to watch because, you know, you're seeing all of these different perspectives and questioning what's real, and, yeah, it's just, like, disturbing lack of care for, like, the women's perspective, and, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Absolutely. I I just think in general, and we might have talked about this with Julian, but I, I just think in general... It's pretty dangerous to start relying on the holodeck mm-hmm. for your concrete answers. And I'm glad that the solution was a combination of all three of the perspectives because yeah. that's what the truth is anyway. And so mm-hmm. it was a good reminder that although it looks really realistic and it feels like you're there because this hollow recreation is so um, so real – it's not actually the truth and it's really easy to forget that. So I'm just, I'm, I am happy, like of all the things they mishandled in this episode, um, I, I'm happy they handled the like 
accurateness of the holodeck very well. Yeah. And Picard, of course, finds the correct answer at the end. And it's none of the scenarios that they saw. So wonderful that Picard just always swoops in at the end. And yeah, don't rely on your holodecks too much, no. kids. Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, but <laughs> some kids <laughs> should rely on the holodeck, but only for a minute. Um, this yeah. is a hilarious. So I, I kind of put off watching the Offspring because I always cry, um, mm-hmm. but I decided just to watch the holodeck part. Same, um, <laughs> and it's very funny to watch <laughs> because Data's child Lol is going to the holodeck to choose their own sex and appearance, as Data says. Yeah, there's a scene right before they get in the holodeck because essentially, yeah, Lol's going, choosing their sex and appearance and says that they're incomplete without like a certain gender. And I was like, that's just like not true and very antiquated thinking on gender and on like non-binary people and everyone. There are so many different expressions of gender and they're really hammering home the binary in this and that leaves such a just a foul taste in my mouth when watching that scene because it's such a beloved episode otherwise that I have to remember this is TNG this is the 80s they're so they're forced so yeah on the binary that it was hard to escape even in this futuristic world and they were trying you know but it still doesn't excuse it and so yeah I just we all have to remember that that we can always be doing better to have representation and to not make assumptions about gender and about people who change to their the gender expression that they feel. So yeah, it doesn't have to be permanent yeah. as Troy says in this episode. No, not at all. And and yeah, I mean it, this idea was not even thought of in mainstream television. I mean, we're, you know, these are all TV shows that are so locked down by companies and yeah. um they they Star Trek does a great job for what it can, but I'm with you, mm-hmm. Rihanna. It's not, it's, it's not great. Um, yeah. But I, I love the line, which is also problematic that Troy says <laughs> in the, when they're like, Lowell's going through her top five or going through their top five favorite figures for the holodeck. Mm-hmm. And it's like a human male, human female, um, a male Klingon, a male Andorian, I think. Yeah. And um, for each one, Troy has a little comment. <laughs> a little comment. <laughs> and her, 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 and like each time, it's like, oh, you want to be an Andorian? You'd be the only one, so you might have like some social problems. Um, I'm like, wow, rude again. <laughs> well, this is low key. They're viewing it as like choose your like level of difficulty in life, you know? Yeah, like what? <laughs> that's not how anyone should be thinking. And it's like, especially... oh, that's a white male. Literally, they say like that will be very easy for socialization. <laughs> it's like, jeez. Yeah. And Data had said to Wesley to not judge people by his peer by people's appearance. It's the last greatest prejudice. That, yeah, that we yeah. face. Um, yes. Yeah, and then when it shows the male Klingon, Troy says, "Oh, a friend for Worf." <laughs> Jesus. You just gotta throw up in your mouth a little. (laughs) Like, you don't know that Worf would even like lol. This guy was racist. I just, it's, but it's delivered so excitedly. I'm like, don't, baby girl. The delivery, everything is just so. Friend for Worf. (laughs) (laughs) It's just off the cuff, which TNG just flies off sometimes. Yeah. So, Lol used the holodeck to create her gender and mm-hmm. appearance. And then, if you kept watching, you cried. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to move right on. <laughs> we're going to finish off this category with First Contact, the movie, not the yeah. episode from Voyager. Um, 
<laughs> and I'm, I think I make that joke a lot. So everyone just enjoy every time I, I do it, it. Like, take a drink. Um, but uh, they use the holodeck in this one because Picard and Lily are running from the Borg. <laughs> this is huge whiplash yeah. compared to yeah. um, the Normal offspring. Stuff. But uh, they're back in time. The Borg are threatening to assimilate humanity before warp drive existed. Rena's holding up her Lily action figure, which uh, we, forgot we forgot to, to do. do action figures. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Sorry, oh, y'all. Lord. Yeah, they're back in time, and the Borg are already making a nice home for themselves on the Enterprise. And so Picard <laughs> is realizing, oh, you know, the Borg are adapting really fast. Let's go on the holodeck because then we can run from them easier. And if we turn off the safeties, we can actually use it to kill them. Um, LOL, Lily, this is her first interaction with the holodeck, and she's like, literally, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Um, and it, it does work to get rid of the Borg. Like, this is actually a very effective plan by Picard, and I think it's informed by all of his years spent on the holodeck and knowing how to use it for pleasure. And then also, they've had so many close shaves on the holodeck with things yeah. malfunctioning. He's Just in, a single bullet. Yeah. He could kill you. He's an expert in yeah. figuring out how to get out of tight situations. So he uses, like, an old-fashioned gun to murder this Borg, and he's very angry. Yeah, working through his own Borg trauma. <laughs> Aren't um, we all? Aren't yeah. we all? Oh, yeah. And so... I love that he asks for the big goodbye, chapter 12, and he's like, no, 13, sorry, you know, and Lily's like, well, how could you forget? And I'm like, yeah, he's a little busy, you know, like, it, like he's not even in, like, the mindset of Dixon Hill right now, but, you know, I, I'm curious because for me, I found this really nostalgic and I really enjoyed seeing this scene mixed into First Contact because it adds a really interesting juxtaposition, but I'm curious because I know that some perspectives you know, are different about, like, did you enjoy this appearance of the holodeck or was it just because of the nostalgia of having Dixon Hill back? Great question. And I am going to try to not compare it to another movie's use of the holodeck. Um, Mm. I think this, if you're going to include the holodeck in your plot, this is the way to do it with a high stakes action scene that's going to keep everybody informed. Also, the holodeck is a very important part of the next generation. So if you're going to have a next generation movie, I don't think it's complete without a holodeck scene or without them mentioning it. And so the Thank fact you. that they they use it so well, I think really adds to the movie. Again, like very visually compelling. They're dancing. It adds a little bit of romance, um, which like I think works well. Yes. Um, so I, I do like this scene in First Contact. Um, and it also creates such a great way for us to see Picard's range of emotions just by using this scene. So I think it's a great and effective use of the holodeck. Period. Wow, Ashlyn, well said. I completely agree. Boom. This, the whole trope to blend in while dancing, the outfits, it's so good. And... I'm really glad it exists. It's so scary seeing Borg in this environment, too, because they're so out of place. So it's very jarring, but I enjoy it, you know, (laughs) in this way. Totally agree, yeah. Um, Shall we go on to stuff that is, shall we say, more jarring than Borg on the holodeck? Let's do it. This is an indigenous population to this planet 
but there's going to be a like horrible storm and murder like murder them all that's the natural course of the planet's um like destiny Mm -hmm. and randomly Worf's brother is on this planet (laughs) yeah so you're so right I love that Worf's brother's just here um Nikolai is trying to save this planet and so he sends a distress signal knowing that he can use someone's ship's holodeck to be these uh like pre-warp by the way like they definitely don't know about way pre-warp like pre-gun society (laughs) literally like i just think it's really fascinating that nikolai chooses this path he says you know what let's use the holodeck i'm not gonna tell anyone and he beams them out while their like the storm is passing and gets them out of there beams them in a holodeck they don't notice somehow which i'm like how do you not notice yourself beaming um who knows but they think nothing of it and i just think this is insane and so risky but i understand his inclination because he has a love there that he's fallen for and he like, has just, has so much respect and love for the society, um, that to see them wiped out would, like, kill him inside, you know? Also, she's pregnant, too. Yeah. Like, his lover is pregnant, which I think is Cassidy. He's breaking the prime directive. I feel like it's Cassidy. Yeah. Cassidy Yates. Cassidy Yates. It appears in this episode, yeah. She's so good. Penny Johnson, Gerald, she does a great job. Yeah, it's just problematic. And Worf brings this whole subject to Picard because he's like, uh, this is not good. And Picard has a huge discussion with him about the morality of this. Um, yeah. And Nikolai just doesn't listen at all. And he just asks for per- for forgiveness, not for permission, and does it anyway. The yeah. sad part about this for me, like, I-, I think this actually could be a good plan, but there's so many variables. Like, do we want to play God? I just shouldn't even yeah. get into this d- discussion. But <laughs> is it a good idea to do this? And the worst consequence is that someone who's like the scroll keeper, like keeps track of all the history of the culture, he has wandered off somehow. Like he, mm-hmm. he gets out of the holodeck and leaves. And it is traumatizing and terrifying for him because he doesn't know what's going on he realizes that oh my gosh i'm literally like living in a simulation right now you guys are controlling the fate of my species like what is going on and he ends up killing himself or he ends up like eating unliving himself at the end of this episode because he can't take the idea of either returning to the society and not being able to like talk about his experience or he can't think about staying in the 24th century with the start with the enterprise and starfleet because it would be too overwhelming so very sad consequence of nikolai's like of nikolai's attempt to save them all but it does work and they do get transported to another planet it's just very gray extremely gray morally absolutely and it was the lie that led to this scroll keeper's death and so i feel like that was just really like not thought, thought through you know like nikolai didn't think of these these other consequences to these actions and i think that using deception and using the holodeck to do it is really despicable you know and and it, I think that there could have been so many better ways to done it. Either gently introduce it to them or, you know, say, like, we're going on a journey, but we need to put you in stasis. Like, anything's better than what they did. And, you know, this is the exact plot of Insurrection, 
the movie yeah. because they the species is stretching their skin is yeah. using a holodeck for the same purpose to relocate this native population to on a holodeck to a different world because they're living on like Eden they say where they yeah. they age very very slowly and of course everyone wants a little bit of that you fountain of youth um so again like this plot is used multiple times and like it's just an example of how holo technology can go very wrong if in the wrong hands so you know, ashlyn yeah this category is very important we did not say the title yeah i was just thinking that yeah would it's, you like to yeah I'm very good at it <laughs> no you can't don't even try <laughs> is the title of this one because Nikolai he he shouldn't have even tried but it's fine he should have tried a different way not with the holodeck (laughs) yeah don't even try so now we're talking about future imperfect which of course that line is from this is the episode where uh Riker and Worf have beamed down to this planet to answer a distress call and only Worf is beamed back up and so Riker is taken prisoner he's in various states of illusions. He first thinks that it's like 12 years in the future, 20 years, whatever it is. He he thinks it's far and distantly in the future and he has a son and he wakes up with amnesia and Picard and Troy are like doing their own thing. It's Admiral Picard. Um, Riker still can't hit that note in Nightbird. <laughs> like his struggle, struggle bus. Yeah. Um, and then the computers that are on this holodeck cannot keep up with Riker's intelligence. He's he's figuring out as they go, like, oh, uh, you guys are all taking a long time to answer questions, especially data. Stuff is not loading. What's going on? This has got to be a simulation. So he figures out, oh, it's the Romulans have me in this holodeck. It keeps going. It's not actually even the Romulans. It's this little kid who is trapped on this planet alone, and he lured Riker there and and Worf um, to have a friend, basically, to play with. And I was getting absolutely Sukal vibes from this episode in Discovery. Yeah, the whole like plot, like of the end of season three, absolutely getting Sukal vibes. Oh, and it's also kind of the cage situation too. True. Because Riker r- reminds me of Pike in the cage where he's saying like humans really don't like being trapped. I, I don't know. I was just getting cage vibes from this too. Well, and this is actually pretty marvelous because we're going to be coming in on a different connection with that with our next section, our next category. I love that connection with Pike and Riker is absolutely resistant to this. First, I think he's trying to adapt to the new environment and trying to remember things. And so he's looking at things about his past and Minuet is finally revealed to be his supposedly his wife who has passed. And so here she is. Minuet's back. Is. We we told you <laughs> that she'd be here again. And so we get to see her in one video that's where the romulans slip up supposedly quote-unquote romulans that's where barash the alien (laughs) slips up um but it's a really sophisticated holodeck like simulation setup here and the fact that like his mother did leave all that for him you know shows that she did really want the best life for him but it also shows that holodecks can't compare to the real world, you know, and this is the thing we're learning over and over again, is that, like, Barkley, there's consequences to not facing the real world, but, like, Picard in his date with, you know, with uh, Janice, or what's her name? <laughs> Janice, probably. <laughs> um, 
that like yeah nothing compares to that true interpersonal connections you have with others and so Barash gets to go on the Enterprise with them and gets to probably get dropped off at a starbase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, this is another case where if they had just asked, if the kid had just yeah. asked immediately, like, can you help me? Yeah. It probably would have gone just fine. But I understand that he doesn't necessarily trust everyone who comes by. So it seems easier to just take them as prisoner and put them in a simulation where they would like the boy and yeah. keep him company, which makes sense. Like, it's it's a smart idea, but... He should have just asked. <laughs> yeah, it's ill-advised. It's like the binars, mm -hmm. yeah. Rihanna, let's go on to the last section of the pod, which <laughs> could be the most fun section. We're going to talk about what our bridge crew does in their spare time on the holodeck. Wow, I'm so excited. This actually ties in directly to our last section. No, you can't. Don't even try. Uh, <laughs> because Elementary Dear Data and Ship in a Bottle also include the character of Moriarty who wishes to be off the holodeck who does not like being captured and imprisoned like Riker feels and wants to experience the real world uh, that he knows exists and so this all begins by Pulaski, <laughs> Pulaski. you're right oh my it's all Pulaski she is very annoying in this episode in my opinion I am frustrated because as it goes with Spock, I really dislike when people are questioning Data's abilities because he's an android and because he does things differently. But also, you know, she's she's essentially questioning if Data is able to solve a non-Sherlockian, like a non-Sherlock story that he's read, if he's able to solve something with true deduction and reasoning. And she thinks that he's incapable of doing that um, because it's not like in his programming or however she says it is just like nasty. I don't like the way she talks to him. Nope, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. And so it like it gets pushed because Data and Jordy are doing this really cute holodeck moment together where um, Jordy has a great line. He says, I'm sharing one of my dreams. Now it's only fair that I share in one of yours. Because that's so romantic. Oh, I wow. know. Jordy has like created this ship that like this like little model that they've done together, I guess. And he's like, look at how cool it is, Data. And he's like, okay. Well, I think Jordy did it all on his own, but he's just like showing it off. <laughs> yeah. So this like Data's dream is a lot more work. <laughs> like Data didn't even yeah. do anything with Jordy's dream. Um, <laughs> but they get all dressed up. They go through all the effort of getting dressed like Sherlock and Watson. And... Uh, ev like right away we see that Data has every story completely memorized and so it's not much fun because he solves it like he sees the character and he's like oh I know this is how you did it and it's over in like a minute so Jordy's like okay dude can we you know have something that's a little more harder for you and so this is why Pulaski who ends up joining later like she escalates it because she says well you clearly need um, a mystery that is capable of like deceiving data and so that's what Jordy programs um yeah. into the holodeck and this creates a sentient moriarty essentially mm -hmm. <laughs> yes who has evolved beyond his fictional character and knows about the real world but has all of the brains and wit and like observation of moriarty <laughs> and it is absolutely wild like what a great premise for an episode and i think that the acting is so spectacular from everyone in this and 
I just am irritated, though, that Pulaski is taken right away as the damsel, you know, like the only reason she joined, I think, for the plot. And so that's irritating. And she's irritating. <laughs> so most, yeah, that part is not my favorite. But it's still such a fun episode and so much, like you said, Ashlyn, just nostalgia surrounding the Sherlock Holmes stories. And so when he's naming off, like, these different episodes and these different characters, I'm, like, squealing because I'm like, oh, I've read that one or, oh, I remember this one. So it's really fun that, that Data is such a geek like I am about Sherlock Holmes and, like, you are, Ashlyn. So that's just what a great atmosphere you know, to start in, but I like that it takes a twist. So it's not what we're expecting of just, oh, a regular, like, murder mystery, kind of like with Dixon Hill. Instead, of course, it becomes more science-y and more about technology. Yes, exactly. I think that this episode and the subsequent Ship in a Bottle are both really important to the development of the holodeck in general because this is the first sign in season two, episode three, that hollow characters could have self-awareness and would want to live a life outside of the holodeck. And this is, of course, the whole basis for the character of the Doctor on Voyager. Um, So this is the first step into this hollow journey that is eventually going to lead to like hollow rights <laughs> and yes. you know like try like getting these characters recognized as individuals with individual thoughts and sentience so i think moriarty becoming this first example of that is really awesome because he's such a profound and like amazing character in the sherlock holmes stories that having him interact with our crew in this way is really awesome to watch. Totally agree, Ashlyn. And I think that the way that Moriarty expresses himself too, you know, he says like, I am alive, I am aware of my own consciousness. And he has this drive, you know, to do more than just sit in what he knows is a fiction. And I love that, that this is another character seeking to explore what is beyond them, you know, and what what else they can do with with their lives. And I cannot believe that it takes them four freaking years to even bring up Moriarty again. Yeah, so in Ship in a Bottle, Moriarty is back and he shows up because good old Reg Berkeley... (laughs) He is doing some maintenance and are actually Data or their Data's and Jordy are again running the Sherlock Holmes program and Data thinks he solves the mystery by proving that someone is left-handed and really they're mm. right and it's just a mistake in the hologram for in the program for some reason. Yeah. Barkley comes in and there's Moriarty and he says I've waited long enough. I've been conscious this entire time. It's really yeah, messed like up. Snippets, at least. Yeah, for yeah. snippets. Um and something needs to be done about this. And I thought that Picard handled it really well. And he says, and I believe him because he's Picard, he says that they have been actively working on a way to get Moriarty out of the holodeck, but they just haven't evolved enough in the technology. So there's no way to do it. Um, Moriarty like does not take this. He does not like this answer. <laughs> and I think I, I do believe Picard, but I also believe that it's easy to get distracted by the Borg and Cardassians and, the Maquis and, you know, all of these other things that are happening with 
Picard and with the Enterprise being a flagship as it is. It's not a top priority, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so those things tend to be taken to the wayside. But I, So I really understand Moriarty's ire and his just frustration and his mistrust of Picard is very understandable. He says, no one has given me a second thought. He is really bitter and I would be too. I, I get it. But I also wouldn't take over the ship like he does. He's just has to go full... Like, okay, I'm going to use all my criminal skills. I know then take over your ship pretty easily uh, and take control. You know, this whole thing that we believe is just him pulling the strings, which it is, but not in the way we expect. Yeah, I love this reveal. It's one of my favorite moments of like, oh my gosh, we've been on the holodeck the whole time. Yeah. Um, because this is the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, they, they never left. So all these interactions yeah. they think they've been having with Riker and down in engineering is all still on the holodeck and so Moriarty's like hey hey, I got you but he doesn't know that they figured it out and this is again another weird thing of like Jordy hands something with his left hand when really he's right-handed and Data is the one who catches on so it's only Picard and Data who are the real ones and which is crazy because Jordy has been a staple of this episode the whole time and so to find out that he's not been real is crazy. Barkley's there too and he's real. Yeah Yeah. He, he is real yes. Like, it's very understandable that he would be questioning who's real. And I love that, though, he doesn't get so shaken that he doesn't lose his, like, (laughs) just badassery, you know, and his way to, like, outsmart Moriarty. It reminds me so much of Janeway in The Thaw, I believe. Yes, trying to outsmart the computer. I think it was really smart that Moriarty got Picard's command codes from him, which is... Like, the only way he would do yeah. that is if he would trap Picard in the holodeck and make him think he's actually helping the ship. Because then he actually has the true Enterprise outside of the holodeck in a bind because he can control everything it does because of the command codes. So, very smart move on his part. Like, this is a great match for Data and Picard, both. So we get to see them both in this, like, Sherlockian role, which is awesome. But it's not enough for Moriarty. He can't quite defeat them both. And so him and his, like, love of his life both think that they're beamed down into a shuttle bay and are able to explore the universe, but really they're still on the holodeck. So I, I mean, this makes me really excited, actually. Um, uh, Twin Cities Trekkies messaged us on Instagram saying that rewatching this episode is perfect, is perfect for season three coming up where we know that Moriarty will be featured in some way. Uh, In season three, it's really easy to imagine that he's going to be really furious because he's been trapped in this holodeck this entire time thinking that he is living his own life when really it's all fake. So I I thought this was great. One One of the best holodeck episodes that doesn't really matter for the Enterprise, but they're able to get out of the spine in such a fun way. Yes, Ashlyn, thank you for reminding me. I completely spaced that Moriarty's coming back for Picard season three. Uh, This is going to be really exciting. It's clearly a character they love to bring back and someone who should, who deserves to be in more of the canon. And I just think that the ending of this is so meta and really kind of chilling and cool because Picard says uh, they're looking at the, the little device that is essentially the mini holodeck that Moriarty and his love, the Countess, are trapped on. Regina, the Countess. Mm -hmm. Um, And Picard says, well, like, for all we know, we could just be in some tiny cube on someone's desk or something. And I'm, like, looking at my laptop on my desk, and I'm like, oh, that was so (laughs) cool how they did that. You know, I just think 
They're really acknowledging sort of the fourth wall in that moment. And just also like Picard being philosophical of, are we in a simulation too? Yes. So, and I'd be questioning that reality. Absolutely. I think I would have nightmares about that probably. (laughs) Like, um, am I on Moriarty's holodeck now? I'm actually really glad Riker didn't have to go through that because he's already been through frame of mind. He's been through future imperfect. Like he needs to know what reality is. Riker needs a break. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, let's move on to Data's day. This is, of course, a classic episode where we get to see Data just go about his day. And uh, there's nothing crazy going on. Um, O'Brien and Keiko are getting married, which is great. Uh, And Data... is thinking, oh, I have to learn how to dance for their wedding because he's giving a toast. Like he's got a lot of responsibility at this wedding. And so he enlists the help. He enlists the help of Dr. Crusher to teach him how to dance. And they have a great scene where, or they have an awesome moment in the episode where she's tap dancing. Gates McFadden is showing off her like real life dance moves. Um, and Data is not really feeling the spirit of the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> All of this is gorgeous. I love that uh, she doesn't want to be known as the dancing doctor. I love that. Not again. The yeah. yeah, not again. Yeah. Um, just another great way to say like, oh, we need a ballroom. Okay, we're here. Um, and I love that Crusher is like, this is for the wedding. Like, you didn't tell me that. We can't tap dance at a wedding. <laughs> um, so it's another beautiful way of showing like data is learning about the minutiae of like interaction and stuff it's so wonderfully woven into this episode yeah i I love it and it it seems very normal it's not this whole thing like oh we gotta go get dressed to them this is like an exercise room or or just another room they would go to practice something all right so now i think let's go on to outrageous okona (laughs) this okona yeah this one is a like (laughs) just outrageous classic (laughs) early star trek episode it's got that like vibe everyone knows what i'm talking about if you've seen all tng it's it's just the the weird vibe um Mm -hmm. I all, the weirdest part for me, honestly, was that the guy who plays Okona, Okana, Okana, uh, the guy who plays Okana looks like Will Wheaton looks today, in my opinion. And yeah, I, I couldn't see it when Ashley. Yeah, it's so like, thanks. oh no, <laughs> like this is Will Wheaton from the future playing this role, and Wesley's like giving him a hug. I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, well, and we saw the appearance of Okana again in Prodigy. So what a cool throwback to this one-off character. That was him. That's crazy. I forgot yeah, about that. Eye patch. Yeah. <laughs> a crazy time. Um, yeah. The main plot doesn't really matter too much in this. No. Um, except that the the very much B plot, that, like that <laughs> literally does not even interact with the main plot, um, <laughs> is that Data is trying to figure out comedy. So this, I mean, we yeah. could have called this section like Data figuring out his humanity because yeah, he is trying to figure out what is comedic timing. He enlists the help of mm-hmm. like a comedian who teaches him all these routines. Oh, he's so annoying. He's, so, <laughs> he's not funny. <laughs> um, Mr. Ron D. Moore, who he's the screenwriter and producer, but that's who he like chooses as a comedian. Oh, yeah. So it's someone. Right. Oh, yeah. So it's an ode to Ronald D. Moore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just thought it, it would have been funny. Like, I wondered if they redid this episode today, if they would get someone like Conan O'Brien or Jay <laughs> Leno. Like, wouldn't that be hilarious to have them have that kind of 
cameo. Insane. Someone so iconic. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. from the early 21st century. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's Conan O'Brien. <laughs> that would, the vibe would be very strange, I think, on that set. I would be like, I don't like the energy we're making in the studio today. <laughs> yeah, it's just very uncomfortable, but I do enjoy the guided moments in this. They're the only saving grace because she's like, Data realizes the holodeck characters will laugh at anything, and Guinan sort of says, Data, there's other aspects to humanity than humor. Like, a lot of people don't rely on humor as a main element of their humanity, so it's okay if you don't master it. And that's just great, you know? Holodeck uses aren't always what you need. Like, Data going to Freud in schisms, or in phantasms... Not what you needed, Data. No, not what he needed. I thought the resolution to this plot was interesting because there really is no answer except that Data just has to be more involved in humanity in order to understand comedy. And I don't know... These things take time. You yeah. Know? It's like learning a language. You don't learn the slang and all of that first. Yeah, I, I don't think that Data ever truly comes to understand comedy as much as someone like Spock does because he like is yeah, good Spock has mastered the art of humor yeah he can tease the humans in so many ways without showing his hand and i don't think data ever quite masters that and it ends up being people laughing at him so that's that's a different yeah. conversation <laughs> but oof. yeah so yeah it's a, it's weird <laughs> we yeah, have for data very interesting uh i think let's go on to the big goodbye this is a classic uh, this is the first Dixon Hill episode, actually. Um, yes. So this is episode 12 of the first season. And something that really stands out for me is how funny it is that the bridge crew, or I guess just how funny it is watching the bridge crew interact in a holographic simulation for the first time. Because yes. they're like, first of all, Picard like freaked out <laughs> and like called a press conference to tell <laughs> his staff about how awesome the holodeck was and his new Dixon Hill program. Like literally the only purpose of the meeting <laughs> was like, guys, the holodeck is so cool. <laughs> Ashley and I were watching this together and she goes... This could have been an email. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, if you guys have an hour free, go check out the holodeck. Love Picard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yours, John <Jambu. laughs> Yeah. Um, come on, bud. Um, I, I was cracking up at this, but I love that then once Data and Crusher and our sweet little ensign who is aware of this century and, and loves the novels or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, all these yes. nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These nerds essentially go to the holodeck and they are loving being held at gunpoint. They like, love they are it. <laughs> so excited. They're like, Oh my gosh, the intrigue. Um, and I love that Picard calls DiMaggio DiMaggio, <laughs> you know, and it just shows, you know, like he doesn't know what Halloween is. So it just shows his like, complete gap in knowledge in this century you know and, and as much as you can integrate it's just integrate it's like we we're saying with data and the humor you can't always fully integrate into a culture that quickly without knowing all the references and that's what makes Starmok so complicated that episode so it's just really funny to see these threads even within holiday well and this is a totally different type of stakes because in the past whenever like our crew is interacting with a culture that's not their own Usually mm -hmm. they have to pretend to go along with whatever the culture is. But at the holodeck, there's none of that worry because supposedly like none of the other holodeck characters will 
like become sentient and say, what do you mean? Like, why are you talking this way? Why are you calling this character this other name? Like, there's yeah. no other shoe that's going to drop during these Dixon Hill stories at this point. It's like awkward because they're still figuring out how to interact on the holodeck. And mm-hmm. they're they're not really jumping into the full immersion of it. It's mostly from an outsider's point of view, which which like I said, like that scene of their like grinning, you know, ear to ear when they're being held at gunpoint. So funny. I thought it was done so well because what changes immediately from them kind of like laughing at it, saying, "Oh, haha, what's, why aren't we all being interrogated?" Yeah, like <laughs> they says at one point exactly, yeah. and. Uh, uh, and then the holodeck safeties are turned off without their knowledge, and the rando nerd is shot. <laughs> Poor yeah. guy, and it's Aww. it's serious. And thank God Crusher's there; she's able to like start, you know, helping him. But mm-hmm. she knows like they have to get off the holodeck for this to happen. And so this is also an introduction of an important trope, which is that we're trapped on the holodeck. The only way to escape is to play out the program. <laughs> yep, and the safeties are off, of course. Yeah, of course. We have a bleeding it. Uh, red shirt down here yeah um yeah and 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 then i think this is sort of where we see your like the season oneness of this episode because the villains are so goofy but it also makes sense for the dixon hill narrative you know like uh we're gonna see in later episodes that like dixon hill's novels are just inherently violent so they have just a lot of like goons and villains who are very two-dimensional and so um I think that the fact that they then turn this into the sort of existential question at the end of this episode is really cool because one of the holodeck characters, uh, Dixon Hill's buddy, sees the holodeck exit and realizes that he is a character in a simulation. He's like, my wife and kids, like, <laughs> yeah. friends. And I'm, like, staring into the void. Like, that <laughs> is such a crazy flip to this, like, cutesy, like, oh, classic, gotta follow these mysteries and investigate and hope this ensign doesn't die, you know, all this stuff. And then to have this essential question at the end of, yeah, once again, a taste of what holodeck rights should look like in the future. You know, we're seeing glimmers of it now. Yeah, it really gives you the sense that they are absolutely using these characters for their own pleasure. And that is not good. That is sketchy. Um, yeah. yeah. Like maybe holodeck should actually just be scenery and there shouldn't be people. Like, I don't know. Honestly, that's, we'll see. We had a long series ahead of us to go to have this conversation. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Something also I just want to add because it is like holodeck um, themed. I was watching the scene where Beverly was getting hit on by the creepy dude like sitting in the benches by her. Um, yeah. And I feel like that they should have, I'm calling it a woke filter, um, but there's 100% <laughs> a better word for it, where you can experience like a time in the past, but not have creepy people, you know, like there's no racism, like people interact as they would in the 24th century, no racism, no sexism, because it creates suddenly an unequal playing field where Beverly is being like, verbally assaulted sort of, um, yeah. while she's just like waiting for the story to play out. And the fact that that's a part of the hollow program is not fun. Like you want to go to the holodeck to like, forget about your life, not to be reminded Relax. that like, oh yeah. man on earth, it used to be so rough, you know? Yes. So exactly. That's why I always am so shocked when people like Picard and Tom Paris choose and Janeway, frankly, like choose these like older earth programs. And I know it's because 
that we want as an audience to see stuff from Earth and stuff from the past. Cause it feels like a time travel episode without having to do one. Mm-hmm. So I get it from a writing perspective, but like I don't get it as a character. I would not be one of those people to, although I did say I would go back to watch Hamlet. <laughs> but like, I don't know, then I'd leave. I wouldn't want to be haggled and... Like, well, but just put on I'm the saying filter. put on this filter so then yeah. you don't have to experience inequality. But then, you know, that opens up a whole question of like, well, then is it actually realistic to the time period, which oh, is Lord, not. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how they could program that. But it just seems mm-hmm. it it just seems weird. It just seems like uh, like it would not be fun. Like I would never do any programs in the past because I could get like taken in an alley. <laughs> Yeah, Which is exactly. not what I'm looking for. That could happen right now. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't freeze program for any reason, like, it just, yeah, it, it brings on a lot of implications of stuff you don't want to be dealing with in a, an already stressful job. So Yeah, I did think this was a really awesome episode to showcase both the accomplishments of the holodeck and its flaws. All, all totally. in a great, well-written, tight episode. Ashlyn, so true. And I think let's continue on the Dixon Hill storyline. Yes. uh, Because now we have Manhunt from season two, which again, your season two is showing TNG (laughs) in this episode. This was not quite as bad, but it definitely has that vibe. (laughs) It does. And so we have a Lawaxana Troy appearance here. She has quadrupled her sex drive um, in the uh, Beta Z version of menopause and is gunning for Picard and so Picard decides to take a trip to the holodeck to hide out from Loxana and he hangs out in the Dixon Hill program and he realizes like I said earlier that this program is inherently violent and so every time he tries to change the parameters the computer is finally like this is within the parameters of the Dixon Hill stories and I'm like yeah dude what'd you expect to like PI investigator with, you know, mob connections and enemies and stuff, you know? I'm going to just put out right now, like, <laughs> that, you know, they had all these nerds on the Dixon Hill trip last time in Big Goodbye. Yeah. I think a big reason why Picard is extra confused on these holodeck stories is because he doesn't know the base material which is fine, but I yeah. feel like there should be a synopsis you read as you're going in, like just to remember, oh, because like, oh, okay, I just been visited by this dude and now I have to do this because it adds a lot of like unnecessary and annoying exposition in my opinion where Picard is like, oh, Madeline, do I have any messages? And she's like, I called you five minutes ago, dicks. You know, yeah, and I'm just exactly. like, why are you recapping this? I would rather have Picard be like, oh, I'm searching for the lost murderer. And it, yeah. just, it, <laughs> exactly. it, just, it just seems like Picard is like, <laughs> like lamer as dicks because he's like doesn't have all the information going in and yeah, yeah okay maybe they made the holodeck for him to figure it out but i just don't like not knowing what's going on when you enter a holodeck program agreed um and yeah. so it, it just his like naivety is showing and like does he honestly think i guess i guess this is season two but does he think he can only have fun in this dixon hill program because yeah he doesn't really like stretching his wings no I think. Like, he, he likes yeah. staying comfortable in his leisure time. <laughs> yeah, so he should go on a beach if he wants to relax, but instead, yeah. like, he goes to a bar with Madeline, his secretary, to try to to yeah. try to stretch the parameters of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when the <laughs> Waxana comes in, and she, like, falls for a holographic character named Rex, the bartender. <laughs> he doesn't even have a last name. No. Um, and I love that she looks at him, and she goes, there's no thoughts from him. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> 
just like head empty, no thoughts. This hologram <laughs> is just ready to bang and ready to marry. <laughs> like he's full in. Um, yeah. It's just so wild. He agrees to marry her immediately. Yeah. Like they just met. <laughs> yeah. Ashlyn, would you allow Luxana to go on flirting with this hologram or would you tell her right away? Well, if it was my mom, I would tell her right away. So, yeah. Troy, I'm like, girl. <laughs> she wasn't there though. Oh, she wasn't there? Oh. No, it was Data and Riker and... So everyone else is there, but not Picard. Troy. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know. I, Picard, I think, has some cause to let her go on like this because he has sure. been, like, having trouble with her the whole episode yeah. of her kind of stalking him. I do think it's very immature that he ran to the holodeck to get away from her. I think Agreed. it's very un-Picard. Like, he should have just mm-hmm. faced her right away. So part of me wonders if there's, like, 1% of him that does like Luwaxana and he yeah. can't face his feelings. Um, yeah, probably. Like, 1%. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Just something in the way, whenever she says, like, oh, Picard, he, yeah. of course, is, like, embarrassed. But I, I do wonder. It can't, I can't help but think yeah. about it. That's that's very fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we get a couple more Dick's appearances um, in uh, the beginning of the episode Clues. There's, I think Guinan joins him on the holodeck yes. for this one. And she's like, I'm Gloria from Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I love Gloria from Cleveland. This is fun little, like I said before, a five minute opener to start the episode and give it a little lightness before some random plot, <laughs> mm-hmm. some random season four plot. But it's fun. It, it's a nice little view into into Dixon Hill again. And I think it's one of the last ones we see until the movie First Contact when we see the secretary, Madeline, again, and watch your caboose dicks, is, you know, <laughs> Lily says. And it's just cute, you know, that they ride through the story in a lot of TNG. Yeah. It's yeah. a staple. I'm loving it. Um, I think let's quickly talk about our um, honorable mentions and then go on to our final episode. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we have, of course, Lawaxana again coming onto TNG, onto Enterprise D. She comes here a lot um, with her program with Alexander. It's like a, like a mud cost bath. of living. <laughs> yeah, the little mud bath and then like the fun characters for Alexander. So we see this holodeck used totally as like recreation for children as well. Um and then Data also plays poker with the greats in the holodeck. He's playing with uh, Stephen Hawking and Einstein and... Carl Sagan, guy. I think, is there. I don't think Sagan's there. Oh, well, I wish he was. <laughs> That'd be cool, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, then it's... We don't see this as much in TNG, I realized, uh, of seeing, like, really historical figures on the holodeck i thought we'd see that more but that's more of a voyager thing i think where's lincoln i mean we saw him in d and tos yeah but where is he now yeah yeah that's and, that's in the episode yeah. descent that, that data does that yes exactly and then we see picard horseback riding and pen pals so just you know shout out to those other leisured moments and of course we must mention the single like four minute section in Generations, the movie where Worf is being promoted and they decide to hold it on the holodeck on the USS Enterprise, or on on the Enterprise boat, the naval ship. (laughs) So, oh man, (laughs) we talked about First Contact and how well done it was last time. I just gotta say, I... This is the first Next Generation movie, and like we talked about, Holodeck is a staple, so of course, mm-hmm. what's the biggest thing that sets the 
next generation apart from TOS, the holodeck is probably one of the biggest things. Otherwise, it's like totally very similar show. Um, mm-hmm. So they have to showcase that. I mean, they don't have, they don't have to though. I think if you cut the scene yeah. from the movie, you lose nothing. Um, Except for they're looking at them in their funny outfits. I think yeah. it's just a humor element to try to cut up the sadness of like the scene previous. Kirk just died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Witnessed by Scotty and Chekhov. Um, yeah. I think, I just think it's so out of character for like everyone sort of. Yeah. I know Picard is obsessed with building model ships. So I think for him mm-hmm. to be on this like naval ship named Enterprise is pretty cool. I think Riker Jordy feels that, that way. Shit. Yeah, Jordy has that feels that way. Um but they're all dorks. I get it. <laughs> they are dorks. This tracks for me. <laughs> and honestly I like this scene. I know that like it's controversy because Ashland like does not I just I caused the controversy. Well okay <laughs> let me finish my point though is I think if yeah. Worf had to choose any way to be promoted, it would not be this way. <laughs> no, it would be you know? sticks, y'all. Yeah, it yeah. would be in a Klingon like formal chamber, which we didn't even talk about in um in the Icarus Factor, where that's how Worf like has a Klingon ceremony with Wesley and Data and Geordi watching. And Troy, I think. Or no, not yeah, Troy. Or Pulaski. <laughs> no, wait, did she go to that? She's like, I don't want to see that. Someone, someone <laughs> drops him off at the O'Brien. door. Oh, O'Brien. O'Brien. Yeah. Troy drops him off. She's like, i that. She's like, I'm not going in. Yeah. I'm not, she probably like, I don't want to send despair and pain from you. Like, damn. Yeah. Um, And that may, actually, thank you really quick for mentioning this because... There are a few other ceremony shout-outs for the holodeck, like Tashiar's memorial was done in the holodeck. Damn. And Skin of Evil, um, like you mentioned, in Worf's Rite of Ascension in the Eucharist Factor, and then, of course, the very famous and wild episode Relics, where James Doohan is back as Scotty. They recreate the TOS Enterprise bridge on the holodeck as a big nostalgia kick for everyone and for Scotty um enclosure for him so yeah it's a really interesting like you know sort of ceremony that can be used on the holodeck as well absolutely and while we're throwing out other ones we didn't mention i just also mm-hmm. want to say like the holodeck holds the answers in the episode dark page another luoxana yeah. episode where her and troy where she basically unearths this lost memory that she has about a daughter that she lost who drowned yeah, um good point and the holodeck really helped in that situation again it's wow. it's the page is too dark for us to talk about like just <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's mostly just good to mention but um anyway yeah so i'm just saying i don't think Worf like would want this i think he would want to be like on a like, on battle cruiser i don't know Great like point. on chronos yeah. but Everyone this is clearly not for him. <laughs> Poor boy. No, I mean Picard's the captain, so he can <laughs> give him a new rank wherever he wants. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just yeah. The tone is weird in this, um, <laughs> especially but, when know, Worf like it. falls in the water and the data oh, pushes God. Crusher in the water. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what anyone wants. But I guess now all of the Crushers have been in water in the holodeck. So full circle. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rihanna, let's exit this program and talk about the final one today, which is A Fistful of Datas, a classic episode, great one to end on. Um, This is the essential episode of what does everyone do on their spare time because we have uh, Picard is playing his flute. Um, (laughs) We already talked about uh, Riker and Crusher doing a play together. Um, everyone's having, everyone's enjoying their own recreation time and Worf wants to work. 
he really wants to work, but he unfortunately, wants to work so bad. like everything he wants to do is denied by Picard, so he has to go play with his son on the holodeck. <laughs> oh no, Worf, what a travesty. Oh, time, <laughs> time with, with his son. son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Alexander is so excited to be playing a Western uh, fantasy in the holodeck, and... Once again, I'm like, can we turn turn on the woke filter? <laughs> I just don't like all these women being sexualized. <laughs> Barkley helped him create this program. And it has, like, someone who looks like they came from a brothel. It's so like, inappropriate. Yeah. To both of them. But anyway, Worf and Alexander get all dressed up in their cute cowboy outfits. It's so iconic. I remember just squealing because it had data in the title. I knew it was going to be a lot of data. And I was, and still am, such a huge data fan that this was just like the ultimate exciting episode for me and it delivered frankly i uh, saw an amazing meme where or like a post i think it was from tumblr where someone was watching this episode with their dad like it would happen to be on tv and the dad was so into it and like yeah. oh this is a great episode i haven't seen this one i didn't know star trek did westerns and then <laughs> when everyone like turns into data he was like what is happening because he thought it was like just a western episode they gotta watch um they gotta watch specter of the gun then yeah exactly for a true star trek western yeah i just thought that was so funny um so good. Yeah, uh, of course this is all happening because Data has his head plugged into the ship as usual. <laughs> so all the systems are being datafied and uh, somehow the holodeck safeties get turned off. Um, somehow. Troy joins them as the stranger role in this program, which I absolutely adore. And I think it's great that she's not in a dress. She's in her like cute pants outfit <laughs> like yes she looks Sleeves normal rolled up cowboy hat on gun in hand smoking a cigar right badass. like she's awesome yeah. well and i want to note that like we don't get to see troy spending a lot of spare time in the holodeck either you know like this is not an activity she goes to and so or she's just helping other people usually figure out their problems on the holodeck so true rihanna <laughs> So I love to see her get to relax a little, even before all hell breaks loose. She gets to be put on a little accent, um, be the mysterious stranger, and it turns out she's a big Western fan, which is such a cute little like tidbit of knowledge about her character. Um, and I love that that's another way to bond with Alexander, you know, because he does need more parental figures in his life. And also something to note, before the data start appearing, Alexander increases the difficulty of the characters. And so that, of course, sets the tone for, oh, this is, they're going to be trapped soon, I know it. And then, of course, Worf can't end program. Alexander gets kidnapped. He can't end the program. Worf gets shot at one point. <laughs> yeah, what? Like, bullet in his side, his, his arm. arm. It's crazy. Troy has to, like, put her bandana around him. It's really serious. Yeah. <laughs> Very serious. <laughs> um, I, also, yeah. Alexander gets straight up kidnapped by Data, by the guy. I always want to say Wyatt Earp. Is that who he is? That's the other guy. That's, um, that's Inspector of the Gun. I know. I just feel like they're all the Earp brothers. <laughs> Um, he's like Mr. Holiday, or wait, hang on. Ho uh, Holiday. Holloway. Uh, Mr. Holloway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Hollander. Mr. Hollander. Yep, that's, yep. Yeah, so he, I think Brett Spiner does do a great job. I mean, this is his forte, is playing a bunch of different types of Datas <laughs> and Noonien Singh, so it's right oh up God. his alley. And I think he does a great job, um, especially, like, he really hams up the son character who's stuck in jail. <laughs> um, he does a great job playing the, like, love interest at the end, who Worf is supposed yeah. to fall in love with as the um, sheriff. Yep. Um, 
Also, my favorite line is, saddle up, father. <laughs> yes, it's so cute. And I think, you know, this holodeck, in a way, like, helps Worf get out of his shell a little. And he has to get play into the role. Alexander is like, no, father, like, you have to, like, make it hard and make it fun. And, and you have to stay in character and all this stuff. And so that's really fun for him to have to have have to have some fun you know like come on yeah uh, it is possible and Worf is such an uptight character like he has yeah. a really hard time coming down from his duty <laughs> totally yeah he is literally does not know how to take a break and so um I also just love that throughout this episode they're calling it the ancient west like how incredible little spin on like the wild west <laughs> i mean it's like, truly ancient yeah. west um <laughs> i also thought the way that it ended was really exciting it was a great gunfight and troy yeah. came in clutch like she was hiding out and then as soon as Worf was about to get shot she's the one who shoots Ho- hollander it's great epic. like shoots the gun right out of his hand so awesome so so cool and fun to see characters you wouldn't expect spending time in the holodeck and enjoying themselves. Yeah, and I love, too, at the very end of the episode, um, Alexander's kind of asking Worf, like, well, like, would you, would you want to go again? You know, like, I'm sorry, this all went crazy. And Worf is like, yeah, yeah, I think we might need to be sheriff and deputy again. Um, so it, yes. it like, I, I totally understand Alexander's trepidation because when you try something together for the first time, no matter what, between like partners or between family members, it can be a little scary to show off something that you are really excited about in case it doesn't go wrong. So, true. so the, the pressure's got to be really high for Alexander. And so the fact that Worf is willing to do the program again, I think is really sweet and shows that this is something they can use to bond. And it is really fun despite Worf's kind of you know, uptight attitude about the holodeck. Yes, and I love too that then we get Worf playing with the hat and pretending to pull out his gun at the end. And I wish Alexander were like hiding behind the wall a little to see it because he would be like, ah, got him. Got him. <laughs> like, I, knew, I knew he'd enjoy this. So yeah, this is such a fun episode. And in general, such a cool discussion about the next generation in such a different light. This holodeck series has been so fun already you know just with tng and tas and and the animated series so i'm just like really happy that uh the series is going even better than i thought it would yeah and i'm really impressed too because this is the real introduction of the holodeck and like we're taking a very close look at how these characters are using it and i think there's a tendency when you're introducing something for the first time that you just want to show like how it's useful and how great it is but tng does not pull any of their punches and the problems with the holodeck are seen immediately and i I just love that they're not spoon feeding us they're challenging us to think about these things um and especially something that it should be so simple and just so fun to enjoy but they say no think deeper about this so just thank you to all the writers like what a great plot to introduce into star trek and it's gonna it's gonna take us down the line um, we're going to keep having these conversations and they're going to continue to develop. So I just, I'm very thrilled with the series, Rihanna. Beautifully said, Ashlyn. And Deep Space Nine is going to continue to help us question the implications of the Hollow Suites 
now, so we are transitioning on <laughs> upgrade. to a, <laughs> upgrade, upgrade to a station, Hollow Suites, next week. So I am just so grateful to you all, and I know I'm going to rush downstairs and check my mailbox to see if my holiday card is here from Ashlyn and us. And us so. Yeah, we, we I just got another message that someone got there, so check your mailboxes. Hopefully they're coming to you. Um, also, Rihanna, to send us off, I would like us to choose an action figure, um, <laughs> just <laughs> to, yeah, just sake. to make sure we don't forget for a second episode in a row. <laughs> so, Rihanna, who's going to send us out? Let's find someone. I first of all have Troy in her cowboy hat. Um, yes. From Fistful of Datas. All right. Uh, so Rihanna just has Troy out for fun. So now who did you pick from your bag? Lacutus of Borg ah. is here joining us just to bid you all a good evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ashlyn, what, what about you? I'm shocked by my luck. I picked the doctor from Voyager. So wow, he is, hologram rights. Yeah, yeah, he's here to tell Lacutus, you better give the hologram some rights. <laughs> And he's like, photons be free. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh Well, with that, Rihanna, uh, thank you for joining me today for this awesome conversation. It w- was not a five-hour recording, so I am I am very encouraged. Um, yes, same. That <laughs> we can get this edited to a reasonable time. Um, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining me and computer and program. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the third episode of the Holodeck series, where Ashton and Rihanna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and of course our merch on Threadless. All these can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, Family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and the spooky series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these amazing episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. I thought that was me. I was like, did I go up that high?